You're listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast, recorded on Sundays in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our goal is to help you grow from root to fruit. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. All right, now now I'm going to just breathe. Okay, here we go. That's a lot of talking already. I didn't even get started. So today is a good day. I'm excited for today. It's going to be a, a great service. Um, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 8 in your Bibles that are there. It'll be on the screen as well if you'd like to follow along in a little bit. Um, but we're going to be continuing our Whisper series. So we've been in the middle of a series, if you're, if you're a guest today or haven't been following along, uh, we're in the middle of a series called Whisper. It's about how to hear God. It follows the premise that God speaks to us and uh, that there are seven different languages, so to speak, that God speaks to us in. And so we've just been exploring those. And there's all different ways that God talks. These are not the only seven ways that God talks to us, but these are seven of the ways. Listen, God is all powerful, as we just talked about. He can talk any way he wants in any language to anybody. Um, But these are seven different styles or things that we've noticed through the years that this is how God speaks. So the first was that God speaks through his word, through scripture, that the Bible that's in your hand, if you don't have a Bible and you want to take one, the ones in the seats, please take them, steal them. Um, you can't steal them because we're giving them away. So sorry. You can take a Bible and it's yours. Have it. Um, but uh, so God speaks through that. As you're reading that, God will illuminate things. and It's actually the voice of God to you. So you can read through scripture. So God speaks through scripture. He speaks through second week was our desires. The things that you really want, those things that move you, those things that you dream about, those things that make you mad, sad, and glad, those things, that's an indicator that God is speaking to you, that God speaks through our desires. Then we talked about how God speaks through open doors, opportunities. When God opens up a door to you, oh, wow, this is a chance. So what am I supposed to do? It's a decision. God speaks in those moments, those life-defining moments, those navigating ways. God speaks through open doors. Uh, then uh, Pastor Dre shared about how God speaks through dreams and, and how God you know, puts things and plants things inside of us uh, and, and actually like in a visual sense. And it's really fascinating. If you haven't, if you, did, if you missed it, I really encourage you to go listen. To, he shares a lot about his stories and it was, it was a great thing, although he talked about me in it and I wasn't really thrilled about that. But uh, I went back and listened later. And it was like I, I was actually, we were in the office and I was like, oh, you're talking about me, huh? And it was, uh, I, got, I got him a little bit on that one. And then last week, Pastor Kerry shared about how God speaks through others. How God uses people in our lives to speak to us. Because there are some times where we have a hard time hearing God for ourselves. Like, I don't know what you're saying. And God is so good that he uses so many ways to speak to us. And sometimes the people around us right, are gifts from God that are meant to speak into our lives. And this week, today, what I'm going to talk about is promptings. That God speaks to us through promptings. Now, prompting is a funny word. And the more you say it, the funnier it gets. Prompt, prompt, like, prompt, prompt. Like, I was I'm sitting here, like, studying all week. I'm like, man, this is such a weird word. Like, prompting. Um, and I'll say it. Go ahead. Prompting. Prompt. Doesn't that just sound, like, funny coming out of your mouth? Prompting. Um, what is a prompting? Some, of, some would maybe describe it as, like, a gut feeling. Right. As you're just sort of going throughout your day, you just have this. I think I'm supposed to or you just get like an or an impression, maybe like an impression on you. You know, I just 
out of kind of seemingly out of nowhere, you get this feeling, this sense, this awareness. Something is moving inside of you, and you know, I think I'm supposed to do something. I think there's an idea that came to me in the moments, right? So these are these are like you know very much in the moment, spur of the moment kind of things. To prompt someone, right? To use that word, to prompt someone is to cue them in, to assist them in a task, right? So we have teleprompters, right? If any of you have ever, you know, you, you know about the news, like you can, you know, you can tell when people are just reading off a teleprompter and you see their eyes going like this, and you're like, oh, really speaking from the heart. It's really, really coming through the TV right there. I mean, you're just speaking right to me as you do it. As, yeah, they're reading it. It's obvious that they're, but the prompter is, is informing them of what they're supposed to be doing. That's what a prompt is. It's a cue, right? And uh, the Beauty and the Beast at the high school this weekend, right? Amazing play. Kids are doing an incredible job. Sometimes they have cue cards in case you forget your line, right? It's a cue to help you do what you're supposed to be doing. It's a prompt. It's a cue. It's a meant to help you and assist. It's a helpful thing. So a prompt from God is essentially a divine cue card helping us do what we're supposed to be doing. That's what it is, right? It's, it's meant to help us do what we've been put on the earth to accomplish. Every day, we, we, we heard this, right? And when we talk about scriptures, that every day, we, every one of us in this room, if you're hearing this, every one of you has good to do. God has something good for you to do every single day. You have good, and not just you're going to do nice things. No, good meaning the supreme good, good that will change eternity, So you're not just going through your day, going through the same old, same old. No, you have a task assigned to you every single day. Something that your life is meant to change eternity. You have that significance and that responsibility. You will do good. And the prompts of God help us accomplish that good. Right? And the reason we need those prompts is sometimes we don't know what the good we're supposed to do is. I don't know about you, but I don't know how to be good every day. I'd like to make my life make a difference. And sometimes you ever get the feeling like I'm doing good and I don't know if this is making a difference. I don't know if what I'm doing is helping anybody. I'm trying, but it's not just about effort. Right? You could try to do all the good you want and feel like I'm wasting my life. What is really going on here? So the prompts of God... Help us accomplish the good that we don't know to do, but we want to do. That's what the prompts of God are for. So today I want to read a story of a time God prompted a man. His name was Philip. And when, as we read about this story, I think it's going to help us understand how to discern those promptings in our own life and know what to do with them. Make sense? Yeah, good. And if not, you can just take a nap and it's my gift to you for the week. It's okay. Um, so Acts. We're Acts chapter 8. Acts is the story of, of how the church began. It's really the genesis of the church. What we know is church, big C. You know, God's got one church, all those who follow Jesus Christ. This is the, the church. Acts is the story of the beginning of the church. Jesus has just gone to heaven, and that's when Acts takes over. And it's just written, it was actually written by, by Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. Luke writes Acts. Luke Acts is kind of, it could be like one book, but they separate into two. Luke is the gospel of Jesus and Acts is the, the acts of the church, the acts of the apostles, how the church got started. So Luke's writing this 
And uh, he's talking about the story of the church. Now, where we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 8 is kind of narrating a little bit how this church began. And just in the previous chapter, right, as in the story in history, Stephen uh, was a martyr for the church. He had just been stoned for faith. He was trying to share the story of what Jesus has done. And the crowds pick him up and they're, they're like throwing stones and they kill him. And there's a guy off to the side. His name is Saul. Right. And we, we know him later to become Paul. So at this time in history, Saul is still Saul and he's standing there holding the coats while they're stoning Stephen. And he's like, good job, everybody. Get him. So that's what's happening at this time in history. OK. And Philip, who's one of Jesus disciples, he was one of the twelve. So if you ever look at the painting, you know, the Last Supper, Philip's one of those guys. Right? He was with Jesus. And he's traveling and sharing the stories of Jesus, he's going all over, trying to get this word out as there's great opposition to the church. Right? The church is trying to grow. People are trying to kill everybody who's talking about Jesus. And Philip's like, I don't care. I'm going to go tell. I don't care who knows it. I'm going to try and take this message and let it out. So that's, that's the Philip that we're reading about. So he's traveling, sharing the story of Jesus. And as he's doing that, God prompts him. It's really fascinating. So pick it up in verse 26. Again, it'll be on the screen if you'd like to read. Acts chapter 8, verse 26, and it begins like this. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And you can find this on any map of Israel. You can see where Jerusalem, it's sort of a southwesterly uh, trail just to Gaza, which is, you know, Gaza Strip. You know history. You know what's going on right now. So it's right on almost, uh, almost to the water, right? And so, so he started out and he, so God just says, go south on this road. So he does. And he started out, and on the way, right, he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandik, the queen of Ethiopia. Now, just so you know, the queen, there is a king. The king was most likely her son, so this is queen mother. The son was considered a god, so he didn't functionally do anything in the kingdom other than occupy the role. So the queen was really in charge, much like most of your homes. Okay, so... The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. All right. So here we go. Ethiopian. He's in Jerusalem worshiping, which is kind of interesting how this guy from Ethiopia ends up in Jerusalem to worship. Like he's kind of opened already to spiritual things. It says, and he was now returning back to Ethiopia. So he was going through Israel, up through Egypt, and he's going to go back down to Ethiopia. Okay. And he was now returning, seated in his carriage. And he's reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. If you were reading that time in history, most people would read out loud. It was very difficult because the way their uh, literature was written and things to read silently. So they would mostly read out loud. So he's reading out loud. So it wasn't unusual for that to be happening. It wasn't like he was like, I don't know how to read. No, that was kind of normal. He was probably an educated man. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, prompting, go over and walk along beside the carriage. So he does. Philip ran over. It's kind of interesting, kind of this random guy walking over to this royal right person runs over and here's the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? There's actually a play on words here in, in, in the Greek because he, he actually says, do you know what you're trying to know? So it's actually that's kind of what it says. But do you understand what you're trying to read? The man replied, bro, how can I? Unless someone instructs me, I'm trying to read this. I don't I need help. And he urged Philip, hey, listen, come up in the carriage. Sit with me. Help me out, man. Hey, yeah, you sure you're asking. Why don't you come on up? So here we go. Next verse. The passage of scripture that the man had been reading was this. Of all the scriptures this is what he reads. He was led 
like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth. That's what this guy's reading. Okay, you get in the picture of how it's. So then the eunuch asked Philip, tell me. Was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this scripture, Philip told him the whole story. The good news about Jesus. All right, next verse. And as they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Because right? obviously somewhere in telling that story, Philip had kind of shared with him that this is how we, this is how we symbolize what God's doing in our life. Now, this, that baptism is a way of saying, listen, I'm somebody new. I, I, God's done something new in my life and I want to let the world know it. So he says, there's water. Why can't I be baptized? So he orders the carriage to stop. They went down the water and Philip baptized him. Here we go. Next verse. It's my favorite part. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north of the town of Azotus. He just found himself. Oh, I'm no longer in the water. I'm down 20 miles north at the town of Azotus. All right. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Yeah, I'm just going to go on like that's normal. Totally normal. Just disappeared somewhere else. Huh. Let's keep this up. That was fun. See if it happens again. I feel like Calvin Hobbes, right? The transmogrifier, right? He just sort of shows up somewhere else. Let's take a moment and pray. Holy Spirit. God, today, I ask that you would help us all grow in our understanding of how you speak to us. And what our relationship with you is supposed to look like. Help us learn more about you today. In your name we pray. Amen. So let's just kind of break this down a little. The Lord said to, said to Philip, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Can I just say, sometimes the promptings of God are incredibly broad and general. Like there are four directions on a compass. <laughs> four primary. And he just said, okay, uh, go south. Right. This is like little kid soccer. Right. Like that way. Right. Just just that way. I'm not even going to try and get you to pass to each other. Just that way. Right. That's what God says to Philip. Hey, south. Just go south. It was a direction. I like specifics. Anybody else like specifics? I like to know exactly where you're going. You ever drive with somebody Well, you're driving, but you don't know where you're going, but your passenger does. And you're like, hey, can you I can tell you where to go. Great. And they go, OK, just stay on this road for a little while. Like, OK. Can you tell me what's coming next? Hey, just stay on here. Just stay. Just, just, I'll let you know when it's time to come. All right. This light. No, this light. No, this light. Right. It's making me nuts. Like, come on. Can you please give me a little more? But they're like, oh, just stay on here for a while. Right. Go south. All right, God. Thank you. Yep. More information. More information. Sometimes the promptings of God are incredibly broad and general. God just says, walk that way. There's a quote. I mean, this is tough for me. Let me tell you, this is tough for me. There's a quote from Bob Goff. If any of you know who Bob Goff is, he's a great guy, great author. He says this, don't let not knowing how it will end keep you from starting. Oh, man, I hate that. Seriously hate it. But here's the thing about promptings of God. They force us to maintain dependence on him. See, because if if I knew where I was supposed to be going, like, thanks, God, I got it. I got it from here. 
I know the best way. I don't even need GPS. I know where I'm driving. See, but God doesn't work like that because He wants a constant relationship with us. He wants, he wants to be involved in our everyday life. God knows if I knew the destination, I'd no longer need Him. So these broad promptings of God keep us attentive. They keep us close to Him. Listen, God wants to be with us. And we need Him with us. We do. It's not like God just points out the way and I got it from here. I need God with me all along the way. So sometimes God just starts out really broad. So you may have a prompting in your life that's really broad. God just says, go south. And we go, okay. But now what? Now what? Well, it just so happens that as you're doing those really broad things, as you're just doing kind of general, you're like, man, I really wish I could have more information. Some of you, you know, you're like looking for a job and God says, wait. And you're like, okay, but what am I waiting for? Right? What am I, what am I waiting for, God? I know, I know that it's just so general. What am I doing in the waiting? What am I doing along the way? And God says, hey, do the broad thing because you know what happens next? Along the way, it just so happens. It just so happens that there are divine appointments that begin to show up as you begin to follow the promptings of God. Philip is just going south and he just so happens to come up on a guy parked on the side of the road, right? Philip's going, huh, I wonder if God knew this guy was here. Oh. And not just some guy, but this guy, he was powerful. I don't know if you picked it up, but he's the treasurer of the queen. Right? Handles all the money. Tell me, is he a powerful person? Oh, absolutely. Right? I remember the queen. There's the queen. There's a king, but the queen. So the promptings of God led Philip to this guy. See, the promptings of God always at some point will lead us to people. It's not just about a direction. It wasn't about south. God doesn't care where you are. It's about people. He's leading you to people. The heart of God is for people. That's why we have it up here. People. A primary. See, that's a treasure box. You know why? Because where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. The treasure of God, the heart, what's locked in God's treasure, that's people. It's always about people. It's not about, you know, religious activity. It's not about churches, buildings, structures, systems, programs. It's about people. The promptings of God always lead you to somebody who needs to experience Jesus in some way. So it leads him along the way, and it just so happens. Now, Another prompting. Now God says, okay, now that you're going south, now that you see the guy, hey, walk next to that carriage. Go walk over there. Promptings can lead to more promptings. <laughs> right? We talked about this a few weeks ago. The thing that you think is the thing may not be the thing. It may just be a thing that leads to another thing. Totally great theology. So deep and profound. Promptings sometimes lead to more promptings. See, God gives us step-by-step instructions. Again, maintaining that dependence on Him, that constant relationship with Him. But here's the deal. Philip could not possibly have run into this guy had he not gone south. Right? Like, he wasn't even headed south. You can't get to prompting two if you don't do prompting one. Obedience continues to be leading to more obedience. It's a habit. 
as we get in the habit of just being obedient to God, we want those crazy stories, those can you believe it, it just so happens stories. Well, guess what? Sometimes they start very ungloriously with something like wait or go south, right? It starts with something small but leads to something more. And as he gets closer, he hears the man reading from Isaiah about Jesus. And I can see Philip being like, oh, I know him. <laughs> right? I know Jesus. Now, it's interesting, Philip doesn't need any prompting. Prompting goes south. Prompting walk over there. Philip hears it. And Philip goes, hey, you understand what you're reading? God didn't tell Philip to do that. See? God got the ball rolling. Now Philip's getting involved because here's the thing. Not everything we do has to be prompted. Not everything we do has to be, well, God did say it. You can use your brain. You're allowed. If God leads you down a road and you see and hear a guy reading from Isaiah, guess what? You can jump in. You can say, hey, you know what you're reading? See, you're allowed to get involved. As you're being part, it's not just that we're robots doing what God says. There's relationship. There's partnership. God says, I'm going to prompt you. And I'm going to direct you along ways that you couldn't figure out on your own. But it's not just me controlling you because along the way you're allowed to go, oh, I think I got something here. Hey, you know what you're reading? Because I know that guy. And the man urged Philip to come up. God started this. Then Philip gets involved. And now this guy is getting involved. He's like, yeah, hey, I'm going to open a door for you. He's reading from the prophecy of Isaiah from the suffering servant. This wasn't even understood at that time in Philip's time up until that moment. Like really like in that span where Jesus died, this prophecy didn't make sense to the Jewish community. It was just prophetic about the future. This was 700 years earlier about a suffering servant. What's that about? And all of a sudden light bulbs are going off. In this church, Acts, as they're going, Jesus is the suffering servant. And it just so happens that this guy is reading from that. It's about a man who's going to suffer unjustly, refuse to fight back, and willingly accept death. And he asked Philip, who is that guy? Now remember, Philip is one of the disciples of Jesus, right? There were 12. One of them was a bonehead, right? So we can exclude him. So now there's 11. 11. He is one of 11 people on the planet to have walked closely with Jesus. Let me ask you, is there anybody better to describe this passage and explain this to that Ethiopian man? One of 11 on the planet who walked with Jesus and God sends Philip to this man. Why did God prompt Philip to go south? Let me ask you, how much does God love people that are searching for him? How much does God love that Ethiopian man? He says, listen, I love you so much, I'm going to send one of my best to you. Not only does God send Jesus from heaven to earth for us, he sends Philip down your street to your carriage to stand next to you and hear what you're struggling with. Listen, there's, they only had the Old Testament scriptures to work with it this time. There wasn't the New Testament. We're reading the New Testament. They were living it. Right? So this wasn't written. So it wasn't like, oh, you know, I read the gospel somewhere. No, that, that, this, this is not yet even written down. So they only have the Old Testament scriptures, only the history of Israel. And of all the texts 
and all the Old Testament that this man could have been reading, could there have been a more perfect text to read about Jesus? God guides this guy to that text. There's There's a proverb that says, like apples of gold and settings of silver, there's a word spoken at the right time. Timely word. A timely word Apples of gold and settings of silver. Apparently that was really like something special, right? That was like, you know, diamonds. I don't know. It was like just the right setting, right? This thing, there's something about the perfect, timely word of God. So this guy is reading the, just the perfect passage, right? It says Philip started there and was able to explain the whole story of Jesus. So he's reading the perfect passage. God has sent the perfect person at the perfect time to this guy. And here it is. The promptings of God are perfectly timed. They couldn't be more perfect. Right? On that day, at that time, God prompted one of 11 on the planet to walk down that road, walk near that carriage, so one man could understand God's love for him. Do you understand how perfectly, like, okay, Coincidence? Was this just a story of coincidence? Right? See, I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe in fate. I don't, it just it was the activity of God. God prompted Philip, go south, walk over there, because God's love was on display. So, when God prompts you to do something, just consider that it is the perfect time. It's the precise time in human history for you to do what God is prompting you to do. Not only is it the perfect time, but you are the perfect person. You are the perfect person at the perfect time to do what God wants accomplished. The promptings of God are not arbitrary. They're not, they're not flippant. They're not just little things. Hey, this would be cool if, hey, this would be cool if, why don't you do this? Okay, let me just say, it's not for someone else to do. If you are the one God has prompted, it's because you are the person that is meant to do what God is prompting you to do. There is no better time than that moment for you to do what God is prompting you to do. It's a perfect time in all of human history. One of my favorite quotes, Victor Hugo, nothing is more powerful than than an idea whose time has come. There is nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. And there's nothing more powerful than a God idea that's been prompted and planted inside of your spirit. When the sovereign God prompts you to do something, let me tell you, if we only knew how strategic and how significant it would be, we would jump at it. We would jump at it. This man is searching for truth and Philip is there and able because he was obedient to go south. You can imagine God up in heaven, like totally geeking out. Like, this is awesome. Look what's going to happen. Watch, he's going to go see this guy. Like, he knows how it's going to happen. God's like, this is so cool. Watch this. Hey, go south. Watch, watch. Ready? Go find a carriage. Right? Like, I can see God. And, and that's just Philip's side. We don't know what's going on on the Ethiopian side. We don't know what's going on. That, that got him to that roadside that day. Why was he in Jerusalem anyway? He's from Ethiopia. He's a treasurer. He probably had to ask off work. I mean, this is vacation time. And why is he parked in his carriage on the side of a road reading Isaiah? Is that not random? God's got story upon story. If we only had that divine perspective and God prompted us, we would jump at it. But that's not all. See, the story is part of something bigger. Because at this point in history, as I told you, Saul is still there. The story of Jesus 
up until this point had been contained to the Jewish community. It was just Jews, a little bit of Samaritans who were sort of like half Jews. But this prompting to Philip was breaking barriers. This was bringing the message of God to the world for the first time. This is something that had not yet happened up until that point. They hadn't taken it to the Gentile word, which is anybody non-Jewish. It hadn't come to us. Like if you're not of Jewish descent, this is you, right? Gentiles, not Jewish. There were, the message was only for the Jews up until this point. So God is doing something groundbreaking here. This was opening a door of the message. This guy's going to, where's he going to go back to? To Ethiopia. To the queen, to the, to the kingdom. You think that message is going to get shared? Here God is ushering in something entirely new. Zechariah 4.10 says this, Do not despise small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Let me tell you, when God says go south, it may seem like something small. It may seem like, man, it doesn't make any difference. Does it really matter? I don't feel like it. You have no idea what God is up to. What you think is a small prompting may actually be part of something God is doing to change the world. Let me ask, what would have happened if Philip had ignored the prompting? What if Philip says, you know, I'm not going to go south? What if I think, yeah, west, west seems better to me today. There's a nice westerly wind. Let's go that way. What if he simply didn't feel like it? I don't know. I mean, what's, this is the question we need to answer. What's the cost of ignoring the promptings of God? All we know for sure is that this man from Ethiopia was able to understand who Jesus was. We don't know the rest of his story. We don't know what that turned into in another country. But I can tell you that none of it happens if Philip ignores that prompting. So Paul, Saul, who became Paul, right, who was there that day, eventually he says this. My dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Let me tell you, not one response to the promptings of God are in vain. Everyone counts. Every prompting is perfectly timed and it's precisely what needs to happen at that moment in history and you're the one to do it, no matter how small and insignificant it may seem. So, what are we keeping from happening if we don't act on them? See, I think there's two primary excuses we give for not following on the promptings of God. See, because we can sit here today and go, yeah, I'm good for all that. I believe all that. I have no problem with that. But we don't actually do it. When, when God prompts us, we kind of, mm, you know, I, and I think there's two primary reasons. There's probably a thousand reasons, but I think there's two primary reasons. One, we're too busy. I'm just too busy, God. God, you tell me to go talk to this lady, and I'm just too busy. I got stuff to do. You tell me to help somebody, and I have an agenda. I have my day planned. We live at a pace that leaves no room for God to prompt us along the way. If we're too busy to listen and respond to the promptings of God, we are wasting our days. 
This is the everyday language of God promptings. It's just every day. I'm telling you, God could prompt you every day if you would listen. Just be obedient. Listen, I'm so busy. We have no margin. One, I'm too busy. See, when God prompts you, I think there's nothing greater than that you could do with your life. There is nothing greater you could do with your life than be obedient to the promptings of God. But we have a schedule. I've got to go food shopping. I know there's, God's prompting me to change eternity here, but I've got to go food shopping. Listen, God works it out. If he's prompting you, he knows you need to get some groceries. He knows you need milk. He knows your kids are screaming for peanut butter. Like He understands. But if God prompts you, I have a feeling... He knows that it's all going to work out. The promptings of God should be top of the list kind of stuff. The second excuse that we give for not responding to the promptings of God is this. We're afraid to look foolish. Uh, I just, it's going to make me look stupid, God. What are people going to think? Right? Like, we're, we're tough. We're New Jersey people. We say, I don't care what anybody else thinks, right? We're full of it. We care what everybody else thinks. We like to be tough and act tough, but you know what? We care what people think about us. Sometimes God prompts you to do things and you go, you know what? This is just not, it's not my normal kind of behavior. I wouldn't usually, you know, ask the cashier how her day is going. I wouldn't usually ask the waitress, hey, can I pray for you? I wouldn't usually, you know, do these kind of things. You know, and my response would be, exactly. <laughs> it's called God activity. God interrupts and says, hey, this is something for you to do that's going to make a difference. The fear of missing what God is prompting must be stronger than the fear of looking silly. You get to pick what you want to sacrifice. Do you want to sacrifice what people think of you? Or do you want to sacrifice the most significant work that God has called us to do every day, the good that God has called you to do? You get to pick. You get to pick how you spend your day. I don't mean to be so heavy. I'm really not trying to be. But I think it's one of those really just, this is the everyday stuff. It's those promptings of God. And this is the difference between actually living a life of faith and just saying we live a life of faith. This is where the rubber hits the road one of the best quotes in history, I think, Teddy Roosevelt, outside scripture, says it's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles. This is our world right now, right? And we got, every, we, got a, we got a world filled with critics. Everybody can point out what everybody else is failing. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the one who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcomings, but who does actually strive to do the deed, who tries, who knows the great enthusiasm, the great devotion, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievements, And who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls 
who neither know victory nor defeat. That land in the middle. God says, I've called you to something greater. And I want to prompt you to do those greater things. I submit that following the promptings of God is the highest form of living. It's the great adventure. It's a real-time partnership with the Creator of the universe to bring heaven to earth. There's nothing more significant you will do with your day than responding to the promptings of God. As you know, I returned from India last week. I was away for about 10 days. It was a great trip. Um, I loved every minute of it. Uh, a couple takeaways, right? 10 days in India is hard to sum it up. I'm not even going to try, but just a few takeaways. One, jet lag is the worst. It's real, and I hate it. Um, I, I, I was, right, this is how I was taught to deal with it. You raise both arms in the air and say, jet lag, you own me. I did that. So I'm now at like day nine coming back, and I'm just, you know, I think I'm almost human. Almost human again. So jet lag's the worst. Um, Indian chai is heaven. We don't have it here. I've not had it here. Because I, I thought I'd had chai tea, and then I got there and I ordered chai tea, and they're like, do you want tea? It's like, chai tea, that's like, it's like saying pizza pie, right? It's like the same thing. Like you're saying two words. I was like, oh, chai is tea. I, I got an edge. I'm like, I'm sorry. Yes, I would like chai. Oh, is it so good? Has anybody actually ever had like real Indian chai, Gwen? All right. Like some of you. Have, oh, man, you need to get some. The people in India are some of the most hospitable people I've ever met. It's one of the kindest countries I've ever been in. Everybody there was just yeah, we're doing something wrong in how we treat people here in our country. Um, we got a chance to visit Calcutta Mercy. You'll hear more about the organization that I went to see. They do three things, feed, educate, medically assist. They feed, they said, 20,000 people every day. Uh, they educate schools, 7,000 students in their schools, all free, all free. And they have a hospital. They run a charitable hospital. 60% of their hospital is free. All right, it's just, let me tell you what they're doing. It's hero stuff. That's what I came away with. It's just absolutely incredible what's going on with that, with that mission. Uh, I will say that driving in America is a walk in the park. Okay, their drivers uh, could destroy on the Grand Prix circuit. Um, it's just like, I've, I mean, I've been in Mexico City. I've driven like, like Mom, Mexico City. Mm-mm. India's another level. A whole nother level, right? That's India. It is something else. Uh, like in Mexico, the rules are, if you think you can, go for it. Uh, the rules in India are, don't think, just go for it. Um, it's like you've got cars and trucks and these little golf cart things that have three wheels. So it's like two in the back, one in front. They kind of got like, a, like an egg, like a top on it, but the sides are open. They're kind of crazy. I got a ride in one. It was a little bit terrifying, um, but it's kind of fun. Then they have motorcycles and regular bicycles um, and then people and cows uh, just in the road, in the highway, in the middle of the city, uh, and nobody's looking after them because they're wholly there so you don't touch cows and dogs. And so it's just sort of like, whoa. It took me like four days just to like figure out what I'm seeing here. I'm like, this is intense. It was really overwhelming. Um, so drivers, like hats off to them. If you're a driver in India, oh, you are like legendary. Um, we have family there. I didn't know that, but we have family there, brothers and sisters, just like us. I'm telling you, it's family. I walked into church there, and I wasn't here, but I was here. We were all together. It's amazing what God is doing and the, the kind of people that were there. We have much to learn uh, from our brothers and sisters all over the world in every country. India is no exception. Um, and while I was there, many more doors were opened 
Uh, we prayed for all sorts of stuff. I kind of told you, you know, in the past why I was going, just sort of, you know, considering the community that we're in, such a great Indian population here in the Robbinsville area. I said, hey, God, open up my heart to see how do we can serve right, our community even better. Uh, let me tell you, many, many doors were open. I was hoping for an open door, a key. Okay, it's like a highway was open. God answered prayers. It's absolutely incredible. Now it's just, in the beginning it was like, how do, we, how do I serve them better? Now it's like, where do I start? I got so much. So God answers prayers. It was awesome. But the reason I tell you that is because this, it all started with a prompting. I got put in my heart and he just said, go east. Go east. I was like, okay. Again, that was three years ago, a prompting. Go. Oh, okay. That's interesting. That wasn't me. Never before had I wanted to go to India. That wasn't like Italy. Yeah. Hawaii, sign me up. India. But it began, it was a prompting that grew into a desire. That grew into an open door. And now I've got about 20, it just so happened, stories along the way. Let me tell you, while we were there, uh, one, there was a, a missionary there and she, she prayed over, over me. And she had an opportunity to pray and, uh, in a group setting. Um, and so she prayed specifically that I would be bringing back seeds from India to plant here. It's like, huh. And then she prayed that I would be like a tree planted really deeply. That our, that our roots would go so down into the dirt that it would go into deep water. And that though the winds would come, that the tree would, would bend, but it would not lay down. She had no idea the name of our church. She didn't even know me. We just met. I'm like, do you know I pastor a church called Life Tree? And that our mission is to grow from root to fruit, to help people grow from root to fruit. And that we talk all the time about roots helping trees not blow over in the wind. She's like, no, I had no idea. It just so happened. She prayed like so many other things. Sometimes God just shows off. I had no idea where that prompting was going to lead me. I was just walking. God, I'm going to India. I don't know what's going to happen when I get there. And I'm 100% certain that God led me there at that time. Let me tell you, this is called the great adventure. It's working and walking with God. Promptings lead to things. I have no idea where it's going to end. I don't know. I don't care. I'm just along for the journey because this is fun. Right? I'm just going to follow God. Listen, and there are some days when that promptings are not fun. God, I don't want to do that. That looks like pain. And it leads to pain. Why are you putting me through that? I've got to trust. He knows what he's got going on. But that's the adventure it's this trust, God, you know. He has not called us to a boring life of religious behavior. He's called us to live fully wide awake, expecting him to interrupt our normal daily behaviors with prompts. How cool is it that we have a God who gets involved in our everyday life? He's not just out there somewhere, but he's involved in every moment of your day and has good for you to do. So what? So, when you feel the promptings of God, respond. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 says, Be ready in season and out of season. So here's my challenge for you. Would you consider listening to the promptings of God, tuning in, saying, God, I want to hear for the next 24 hours. For the next 24 hours, are you willing to say, God, okay. Do you really want to open the door? Safer on this side. But it's better on that side. God, I'm going to listen to your promptings. Whatever you prompt me to do, I don't just want to hear. 
But God, give me the courage to do. May not be some magical experience. May not be like, oh, God told me. No, it could be just something as simple as, you know, pray for somebody. But it might lead to another prompting. It might lead to an open door. It might lead to something really significant. God may prompt you to call somebody. He may prompt you to pray for somebody. He may prompt you to help somebody, to give something, to share something, to write a letter, to take a trip, to go somewhere. I tell you, go with it. See what happens. The life of faith was never meant to be boring. It's a dynamic, interactive relationship with a God who sees all things. I'm going to invite the team up. We're going to close. And we're going to close in just a moment with baptism today. Just so happens, we're going to close our service with baptism. We had scheduled to talk about promptings like last year. Think about this. We scheduled to talk about promptings in November. We scheduled to have a baptism service back then, too, on the same day. I didn't think about that, but I'm thinking, okay, if only there was a story I could preach from the Bible that talked about promptings and baptism. Isn't it incredible what God does? It blows my mind how God works. After Philip talked with the man and helped him understand Jesus, I love the man's response. He said, look, there's water. Why can't I be baptized? Look, there's water. Let's do this. A prompting led to a divine encounter, which led to a revelation, which led to a transformation, which led to a celebration. See, if we'll respond to the promptings of God, I'm confident they'll lead to lots of celebrations. Thanks for listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit us at wearelifetree.com or on Facebook and Instagram at We Are Life Tree.